Kia ora and welcome to Cinema in Context, where we discuss all things film and the connections between. My name is Jeremy Downing. I'm Sarah Watt. And I'm William Chen. And each month at Cinema in Context, we discuss two films, one current and one retrospective, with some connection. It could be the same director, the same actor, or a similar theme. This month, we are discussing Avatar, The Way of Water, which came out at the end of last year, and Titanic, which came out 25 years ago. Goodness gracious. 1997. I was 12 years old. You probably were yeah. similar, similarly mm, aged. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the connection being they are both directed by James Cameron. They are both uh, set in water, and they are both uh, one of the top, Billion, two billion dollar grossing films of all time. Yeah. Both star Kate Winslet. Both star Kate Winslet. Um, and that's the only similarity <laughs> for the whole thing. Please be warned, we'll be spoiling both films, and I think both films have some fantastic things to be spoiled. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't seen either, uh, and if you haven't seen Titanic, where have you been living? <laughs> yeah. But if you haven't seen either, I suggest pausing this episode and coming back to it at a future date. All right, Sarah, give us a bit of an overview of 1997's Titanic. Titanic. Romeo and Juliet set on the the rising and falling waves, ladies and gentlemen. 1997, um, fantastic film by James Cameron, laying my cards on the table there, starring um, a relatively new Kate Winslet, fresh from Heavenly Creatures, and uh, a not-so-relatively-new Leonardo DiCaprio, who um, they play the, the... the rich, the rich girl and the poor guy who fall madly in love on the Titanic's maiden voyage in April of 1912 as it crosses from... Um, Ireland. Ireland. That would be why I was going to do that accent. <laughs> Ireland to America. To New York. Uh, and of course, en route, um, tragedy befalls them in the shape mm. of a large piece of ice. Um, and a la Romeo and Juliet, not everybody lasts till the very end of the story. Oh dear. But it is a romantic tragedy and a, um, a soaring, uh, an epic, uh, bombastic piece of filmmaking. Brilliant. William, give us an overview of James Cameron's... Oh, James Cameron's? Jane, James Cameron's? Not as James Cameron's. Yes, not latest, James Campion's. No. <laughs> James Cameron's latest film, Avatar, Way of Water. Avatar The Way of Water is James Cameron's long, long, long gestating movie. Uh, Just like the the first Avatar, which, what was that? That was Titanic and then 2009, so 12 years for that. And it's another 13 years for this. It details the story of Jake Sully and Neytiri from the first movie. uh, Two, what are they called? uh, Sorry. Navi? Yeah, Navi. I was going to call them avatars, but to <laughs> Navi on the moon of Pandora. And after the first movie, they're detailing how they start a family, start raising their kids before the evil sky people, the humans, start coming back to plunder more of their moon's resources. The movie goes into all sorts of weird and wonderful directions uh, and featuring lots of unexpected Kiwi and Aussie actors. So huge epic space adventure from the master of the more James Cameron himself. Mm. Brilliant. And I guess we mentioned that Kate Winslet was also in both films. Mm. And it's fair to say that it's quite a different role from mm. the young Rose DeWitt, DeWitt was it? That's DeWitt. right. And David Farrier, who's very onto it, um, he, he tweeted or whatever that he'd watched the whole of Avatar and got to the end and still couldn't figure out who Kate Winslet was. And I definitely, because of course everybody is, is configured differently from mm. their real selves... Um, 
Uh, I, it took me a long time. I was listening very carefully to everybody's voices to try and identify her. And she's, of course, Cliff Curtis's um, pregnant wife, isn't she? On the, I want to call it on the island. I'm very simple. To me, it's not a planet. It's not in space. To me, it's like Moana. You know, it's on um, a desert island sort of thing. So I get very confused. So expect a lot of confusion from me, <laughs> from this side of the table, I'm afraid. It is like Moana in the sense that it's an amalgamation <laughs> of different Pacific Island cultures yeah. mm. and with some controversy, both films, but definitely Avatar Way of Water has had, yeah, some criticism about how very clear Māori, Samoan, Tongan motifs, and, and actively so, he mm. engaged with different experts in those spaces mm. um, to tell an alien story and, mm. and furthering the othering of indigenous peoples. I don't know if you've heard any of this I'd criticism. heard a little bit, but I didn't realise it was to do with the othering. And I just assumed it was a, a, an objection to cultural appropriation. And um, because I'm neither Pacifica nor Māori, I don't really have a, um, a right to have a view or a stake. But it felt from an observational perspective um, considered intentional and respectful um but that obviously doesn't as i say that doesn't give me the right to to say that actually some things are are absolutely off limits a tapu mm. mm. I'm, I'm gonna say this um i think after two is way way better than after one um i don't mm. know if you guys agree yes i do but so many of the things that i guess people have talked about over the years with how Avatar is just dances with wolves in space and they're Smurfs, you know, mm -hmm. the, the South Park joke. Mm. Um, how you, you have a very, very nondescript Native, Native American, um, Native people stand in uh, with the Navi and you have the colonists coming in mm. and, and it's just, it's a, it's a movie built on tropes, mm. right? There's, there's the, the, quote-unquote white savior guy who is the tom cruise in the last samurai mm -hmm. and he does his thing he falls in love with the chieftain's daughter and i find maybe it's because james cameron has taken these these comments and these criticisms to heart and maybe it's because he's no longer the sole writer of this movie like he has a writing team mm. this is very uh, after two way of water is very very um cognizant and very, very specific in how it portrays its themes and how it portrays the different characters and character motivations. And I, I think it's much more sophisticated mm. than Avatar 1. Is, is the argument not that Avatar 1 would really just have been a vehicle, though, for um, really spectacular, hitherto unseen I, I technology? I think so. I, I think James Cameron in all his movies, Titanic included, is very much about heart. Yes. Right? He tells big stories with huge driving and human emotions. Too, well, every, which is absolutely aliens, my fave. Absolutely. Aliens, aliens like, like every do you single, quite like aliens? I do. Jeremy. I think every single yeah. one of those movies, True Lies is about family. Yeah. Right? It is about family. But not like... Yeah. <laughs> every film is about family. I don't know if you know, but Avatar Way of Water is also oh, about totes. family. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, and you read the interviews, it's like he was trying to grapple with the fact that he, he's an aging dad and he has very young children now. Yeah. And how does he, you know talk about these emotions on the big screen well, yeah. you do it in the way that Jake and Neteri who were these warriors these you know unstoppable killing machines and now they can't be that anymore because they're parents mm. you know mm. yeah he's he's talked quite openly as well about his motivation for making this story is the environmental protection aspect and 
when he first made the when he, when he was pitching the first Avatar, I think a big wig at the studio sort of said, "Oh, we love the film, but can you take out all the kind of hippy dippy tree hugging stuff?" Mm. And he's quoted as saying, "Well, actually, no. That's why I'm making the movie is mm. for the hippy dippy tree hugging stuff." And and I know that he has said as well he was considering finishing filmmaking because he just you know had kind of done his dash. I mean, I mean, I I agree with him. He's he's made every single one of his films is brilliant mm. and. Um, but he said that it was actually indigenous peoples that came to him and said, oh, thank you, this is our life. We've been trying to tell these stories mm. of our life for, for generations. And so I think that motivated him to continue with the world that he was trying to create. And I guess, again, we don't have anyone of, of indigenous to the Pacific here around the table, but um, I, I know, I'm thinking, thinking I, I, how else could he tell us a version of the story without making his own world? You mm. know, like it's... Yeah. It's, he's done the work to make the world. Mm. Um, and it's, I, I just thought it was, I have to agree with you, William. I thought it was so much more sophisticated. Mm. It got around all of the awkward, um, talking about othering, the um, able, bodily, body ableism of the mm. first yeah. movie. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, which is, when I was re-watching the first film in preparation for watching the second movie, I was like, oh, this wouldn't fly now <laughs> in 2023. But the laugh at the... Um, the uh, I don't know. I don't know what the name of Cliff Curtis's tribe is called, actually. But they did laugh at the the flipper hand. They they did, but that's that's, that's part of the story, yeah. right? That prejudice is part of the story. Whereas, and then Jake and, and Sully, turn, um, the 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 reef tribe laugh, laugh at their tails. Yeah, yeah. Right. So okay. Whereas whereas yeah, in the first no, movie, right. it's like no, being a wheelchair is horrible. Life yes, must right. become yeah. alien to happy. That's happy, right. You know? That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to, to experience life, to feel soil between your toes. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, but I agree. I thought the second film was was fantastic it was a recreating of the world like i do feel like film one was a whole lot of setup film two is a whole lot of setup for things yet to come i think the two mother characters were i don't want to say underserved i just think they well nateri clearly took a step back in this film to make room for her children but also the kate winslet character i think she's being set up for something big as is the kitty character oh my gosh Um, she's got a lot of potential is that sigourney weaver sigourney weaver's Mm. character what do you feel about that a lot of people find it really orcs that sigourney weaver plays the young girl yeah she she still sounds she doesn't sound like a 14 year old but isn't that the dream of mocap um do you I, i i why do i keep bringing this movie up beowulf Mm. Robert Zemeckis is Beowulf. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a terrible movie. Ray Winstone. Ray Winstone. Yeah. Like, oi, oi, oi! I'm big old Ray Winstone playing <laughs> this svelte, you know, Norse warrior. Yeah. And th- that movie was a while ago, but this is this is kind of that dream, right? Mm. That hypothetically any actor could play any role mm. and somehow make it work. Mm. I think I, I think I love it for that, and I agree with you that her voice does sound. Not 14. Um, but she is this kind of... Is she immaculately conceived? Is she Awa conceived? We don't really know how yet. But there is a sense that she is a version of Grace. That's and so right. her voice isn't as out of place for me. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I mean, um, I actually fell for it, if you will, because it took me a while to realise that it was Sigourney Weaver. So I did think it was a young person. So I don't necessarily agree that she doesn't sound 14. Mm. And then when I got it, and I was like, oh, I see what they're doing here. That's clever. But then I just sort of thought, oh, but it, I don't know. Maybe it's one of those weird things when you you know who the real-life person is behind a voice of an animated or a mocap character. And it just, 
jars slightly or feels a bit funny. I don't know. Yeah. So you know that he calls it performance capture, James Cameron, because oh, right. motion capture would imply undersells it that it's just their just moving. the motion, which is what it was with yeah. Gollum and the likes. That's but, right. Whereas it, their faces are doing the acting. They are recording their faces, yes. their, their, move, their movement, but their, their whole performance. Yeah, I, I found it fascinating how so much of the production of this movie was about getting the actors to free dive. And to actually film performance capture underwater. Yeah. Because they're animated characters. You don't need to do this. No, you don't. You could frame by frame animate quite convincing realistic movements of the Anavi characters swimming through the water, right? Mm. That's fine. But James Cameron straddles kind of this, this technological chasm where it's like he's using a real camera. Mm. underwater filming real people swimming underwater and translating those motions mm. and his camera movement into a digital realm i find that fascinating mm. and it works i don't mm. know about the two of you but for me i because i saw this film twice and once in 3d once in 2d i forgot very quickly that these this was fake i was just fully engaged in this world mm. these alien creatures were real to me and i think that the, the focus on an actor's performance which is so lacking in modern blockbuster movies mm, today, 100%. is just spoke to my heart. And I guess something I want to talk about later is I feel the same way about Titanic for mm. different reasons. But um, I just think his, his for all of his skills, James Cameron is a director, and he's got many incredible skills as a director and writer, his focus on the actors is so... Um, I mean, not just because I am an actor, but also it works as an audience member. I, mm. I believed every one of those characters and I believed their love of that family and I believed the um, the, the stakes were so high. I, I was so concerned for so many of their lives. Like that sequence near the start where the kids get first captured by, mm, the, yeah. by the Marines. Because you know that one of the kids is going to die at some point. You mm. know, I was pretty clear who it was going to be pretty early on. But, um, <laughs> but it was clear once everyone else got character development. Yeah, yeah, apart yeah. from this one guy who's just... He's there. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but you know, that was... It's a real honouring, isn't it? In a way that, um, I know we mention Marvel every time, but in a way, you know, even now when they've been doing Avengers movies since, I don't know when, the Dark Ages, that when they're jumping and running, to me it, it really looks video gamey. Mm. Uh, and they're spinning in the air and all that. Yeah. And, um, and there isn't as much of an opportunity for proper acting, and it's just sort of a vehicle for fight scenes or something and I think it's probably very honouring of James Cameron perhaps maybe I'm giving him too much credit maybe he just wants the movie to be that amazing but um, but think, it's nice that he's going to give the, the, the actors an opportunity to act I think he recognises that humans connect with humans and if you take the actor out of the film mm. um, then you've got a problem and I think um, yeah I just it's it was so enjoyable so do you think and this is a little bit mean but he won't be listening do you think therefore he regrets in any way casting sam worthington at the in the first one because sam is not a great actor i, I think sam worthington actually works pretty well in the second one yeah he's better in the I, second I think one, he's better be and it's it's fun because he's just a dum-dum like jake jake is you know <laughs> he's the chosen one yeah 
but in both movies, he's like, ooh, me, Marine, me, like, uh, yeah. fight, fight, fight. Yeah. And, uh, and there's many, many scenes of his family members, like, Dad, you're being dumb again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I, I don't know, Sam Worthington, just his mannerisms, I think, really works for that. But that's probably Sam, right? Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's not so much... I mean, you know, in this one, he's got proper... Well, I was going to say proper proper actors. Actually, no. <laughs> Apart from Kate Winslet, um, and Cliff Curtis, and Sigourney Weaver. That's what I just said. Jermaine Clement. No, Jermaine Clement in this is a waste of time. He's yeah, in one scene. I agree. He has a ridiculous <laughs> accent. He doesn't get to be funny. <laughs> yeah. And he says incredibly banal dialogue. Edie Falco is oh amazing. E- Edie Falco in a mech suit. After our three, sign me up. Yeah, she's yeah. clearly going to be okay. So the dads, the the the. Guy who became an avatar, the baddie, what's his name? Cole Gurn? Quaritch. 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 Yeah. Um, he's going to he's gonna have a redemption arc. Right? Oh, yeah. So he's yeah, going to die absolutely. in the service of, of the biggest picture. Yeah. She's going to be the big villain. And the big villain will be progress. She won't be a snarling evil villain like him. Yeah. She's going to be collected, calm, and, and let's move forward. And that's progress. cool. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. And I love that it's Edie Falco as yeah. well. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, okay. So, so you don't like Jermaine Clement? Well, well in this, I think well, he's utterly wasted. What about Brendan Cowell? Who's Brendan Cowell? He's um his boss, the the most Austra- the, no- oh, yeah. the most normal Australian bloke you will ever see in a blockbuster. The one yeah. talking with an Aussie accent. The yeah, the, the the evil whaling guy. Oh yeah. Um, he's just this random dude from the streets of Sydney he who's just, suddenly in Avatar: he does The Way of Water. Feel like he just walked off the set of Neighbours <laughs> yeah. and into you know, and he's still carrying his tinny or something I, like that. I, I will I say that the scene where um his arm gets chopped off. I saw this in Taiwan with the Taiwanese audience who are not the most vocal of audiences. It was packed, but everyone was really, really quiet. Yeah. Being very, very respectful. But when that arm went flying, everyone went, wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's such this moment of catharsis. Yes. Yeah, yes, it's brilliant. True. And it's, true. I quite enjoyed how violent the film was. Like, there was arrows to torsos, and <laughs> Nateri was amazing at the end when oh, she's just, my like, gosh. slashing and yeah. hacking, and uh, I thought it was brilliant. May I just say, my favourite thing about it was the production design of those incredible houses that are literally over the water Mm. on stilts. And I thought to myself, why are there not resorts around the world that have... um, And I know you can get lovely... uh, Not cabins, but you know what I mean. You can, in very expensive resorts, be out on stilts like that. But I'm loving the whole openness of it, Mm. and it's just... Um, lovely cushions inside and that very very taut animal skin or whatever the heck it would be and I think oh I was just like oh my gosh I'm really into that and the way they walk along those platforms and that when they were walking along those platforms Mm. what was going through my mind was how the heck did they do that you know how they did that eh? Uh, not because they bounce they built looks so realistic so they built all of those knitting in a warehouse so they so they were walking along those knittings it, it's oh, really cool. You should go and watch wow, some of that stuff. Okay. And oh. they pretty much filmed the film in one soundstage or maybe a series of soundstages, and they had various pieces to mm. mimic things like that. Mm. And so when you see the family bouncing along, they're all bouncing along with sort of um, fake hair pieces on oh, and right. backpacks and things. Because like the children that are playing and being goofy, mm. and it just looks so real. Yeah, yeah. I just didn't even think. I didn't even yeah. think about it. Didn't yeah. even question it. And I think that's one of the cool things they did as well. Like they just spent all that time. Focusing on getting the performance right and the movement, and then they had they had it filmed from every angle because it was all on the computer, and he could put his camera wherever he wants. That's amazing. So he didn't have to worry about. 
the big water coming through the chandelier, um, whatever it is in Titanic, only happening once. Or mm. he didn't have to worry about the sunset being perfect for the mm. kiss mm. of Titanic. And mm. um, he just had to focus on getting the performance right mm. and then figure it all out and post later. It's kind of, it's just kind of amazing. Mm. Like it's almost like the antithesis of actors, but it isn't. This is... Yeah. I think some of the actors have said this is the most actorly experience they've ever had and I was like what, what does that even yeah, mean yeah. and then now that I've seen the film and I've seen some of the making of I'm like well, that's what you mean it's because you could just focus with your director on acting yeah. and I just want to say with my theatre experience because I, I was saying this to someone recently in theatre you typically in a good experience you will get two months or if you're working professionally maybe two weeks leading up to tech week just with you and your director and your castmates finding the magic of the performance so that when you get to tech week you know the director's going to be busy worrying about lighting and yeah. set and all those the orchestra coming in and you just do what you've already agreed upon and yeah. do the best you can within, and work it within the space you're in um, and so that's how it works but in a film you've, I realise you pretty very rarely get that because it is all happening at once and mm. everybody's stressed mm. and you're running out of time and you've got to get it in the moment so mm. Yeah, I, just, I thought awesome. it was fantastic. Can we pivot? We will come back, but can we pivot then? Who the heck said we should share? We should compare this to Titanic and tell me what you think of Inland? It was me. It, yeah, why? Why? Because it's about water and it's a James Cameron epic. I, I think there's so much. Oh, Great, Sarah, hit me. Okay, uh, I think there's so much connected tissue between Do the it. two movies. Okay, yeah. um, focusing on water. The villain being capitalism. Yeah. Capitalism. <laughs> capitalism. Um, the, the whole notion of nature versus man and how man will always lose in the end. Um, it's not even a question. Mm. Right. Um, the focus on kind of a, a, a journey of sorts with water as a catalyst. I, I found that so interesting. Like the way of water is in Titanic as well. well what they talk about in the way of water being that it's following the, the flow of your life. Like, it's not really destiny. It's it's resisting going against the flow. It's kind of falling into place, everything that should be. Mm. When I rewatched Titanic, that's that's the arc that Jack and Rose, or especially Rose, goes on. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, I think thematically, uh, visually, uh, there's so many things translating from Titanic, to me, to uh, After Our Way of Water. I really like this, William. For me, because I rewatched Titanic two nights ago. I love Titanic. When I first saw it as a 12-year-old, didn't care too much for it. I just remember really needed to go to the toilet because it was so long. Mm. Um, but I rewatched it when I was a student and just fell in love with the film. I was like, this is an amazing movie. And watched it multiple times. Haven't watched it in a few years. Had an absolute blast. Feel emotional. Feel scared. Mm. I, the, the terror mm. of the ship sinking oh, really yes. hit me in a way that... I don't know. I don't know why it didn't hit me as hard before. And they set it up very, very well. Well, this is the thing, right? So the film is an hour and a half of a romantic period drama. Yeah. And then it turns to a disaster horror film. Yeah, and amazingly. I, I looked at the, the timestamp. It's exactly halfway. Yeah. When the iceberg hits. <clears throat> yeah. Amazing. And I thought about the fact that, you know, remember at the beginning of Top Gun Maverick, they, they, the characters show a computer generation of what the mission's going to be. Mm. And so at the very beginning of Titanic, that oafish dude, oh my gosh, the typical He's 90s, so, so 90s kind so of 90s. bearded oaf with He's the... He's a uh, funny guy. He is a funny guy. The cynical one with the happy, the happy face uh, with the bullet hole through the forehead. Uh, and he... 
plays the video back and he's talking about how it then hits this and then it snaps in half mm. and it goes down and you watch it and I don't remember what that was like the first time because I watched it three times in the cinema back then and have seen it at least three times since but how amazing that they gave that game away right at the very beginning and yeah. then you've got the whole film building up to it but it's that whole thing of um, Alfred Hitchcock's suspense isn't it mm -hmm. so instead of having a shock that happens it's the suspense of we know what's going to happen and now we're just waiting for that to unfold I mean that's the point isn't it we all know the Titanic's <laughs> going to sink exactly. we're going into the movie I don't think there's not very many people that no. will not know that I mean the film gives it away from the first shot of the movie <laughs> but, um, but it's that difference right of knowing it from a history book yeah. or seeing it on a computer model recreation and this kind of garish explanation and he's sort of enjoying the of the action of it. But then it's actually, and she, Rose says it, right? She says, oh, so the experience is quite different. And then yeah. you feel it. Mm. And you, I just, again, I'll come back to the acting, but I just think there are all these incredible smaller characters mm. all played by amazing actors mm. who each of them show you a different part of the sinking most of them die in the process mm. but someone will die over here or someone will die at this point mm. or someone will fall into the water at this point my, my memory of titanic as a kid was i was really sad that leo's italian friend died um. when, when the, the the big old um uh, what's called the chimney falls yeah. on him and it's like yeah. oh i like them yeah, yeah. yeah. Apparently he, originally didn't, he didn't die in that manner he escaped and they filmed it or maybe it was in the script and okay. he went to get on the lifeboat and Cal smacks him in the face <laughs> and, and pushes him off. off yeah that's amazing I yeah. thought I'd seen that have I not you maybe you've seen a cut scene of that oh okay. right yeah but back to the way of water and I just what struck me in a way that I've just never kind of clicked with before is Ro this film is Rose's film and I know that seems really obvious to say because she's the old lady telling the story but she is the protagonist like yeah. Jack is there but it is her emotional arc. And I think the promise... And as a kid, I didn't understand that the promise of Don't Let You Let Go was to not give up on life. And mm, she yeah. starts the film mm. with completely giving up on life. And, and the whole arc is her learning to trust her instincts or trust yeah. the way things should be. Mm. To the point where she even goes against Jack's advice when she's in that boat mm. and Cal and Jack are looking down at her going, you'll be fine. Mm. And she still... Has, by that point, she's learned from Jack mm. that she needs to trust her gut and yeah. that's the thing that she goes with and it's quite an, it's an astounding character journey mm -hmm. and what a wonderful I just I, I cried because I was like she has lived this old life uh, she's become this old person she's lived a great life mm -hmm. and just that simple mm. shot of the, 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 photos. the photos the photos and it's just wonderful yeah. and I'm like James Cameron how did you manage to tell this incredible <laughs> human story about what matters in life mm. through one of you know modern history's most tragic events. The scene mm. that struck me on a rewatch was when, and I love the scene when he has to go to dinner with all those poshos, and he handles himself pretty well. And I love that Kathy Bates, uh, unsinkable Molly Brown, yeah. is really on his side. Mm -hmm. Just start on the outside and work your way in, yeah, <laughs> uh, and all that, which I just absolutely love. But um, the I, I still think about that every time I go to a fancy yeah, restaurant. Yeah, right? That's how <laughs> like, oh, I do the thing. Like, that, that how, how do I do this? Exactly. That's how a lot of people, especially perhaps our generation, <laughs> learned about the whole, you know, knife and forks at a restaurant. But um, he, uh, it, it feels over-egged when you think about it now, but in that, uh, in that conversation around the dinner table, Jack is all about, they're trying to be sneery, and they're all like, how did you get on board? Oh, and you don't have a fixed abode? How does that, you know, how's that going for you? And he talks about seizing the day, effectively, but mm -hmm. not 
using the uh, Dead Poets Society phrase. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, making the most of every moment because you never know what's coming and you mm. never know. And at the time, I didn't realise that was foreshadowing that he wasn't going to make it. Ah, but the, I, I, because, I mean, the, on the first right. watch, mm. I just, I'm sure that I thought he would live. I think I remember everybody was appalled, A, that Rose took the door, um, but there have subsequently been scientific evidence to say it's it's okay. They would never have made it, uh, you know. L- let it go. But um, but I didn't assume in those days that Hollywood be, would be so brave as to get rid of him. Anyway, but in the dinner table, he's like, you have to do everything. You never know what's coming. You seize every moment. Luck is what you make of it, and blah blah blah. And Rose, I can't remember what the phrase is, but Rose says. Oh, yes, she does. She toasts him to making it count or yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah. And then, of course, as you say, she does go on to make it count. Well, let's talk about this because there's a lot of little foreshadowings and payoffs. So, um, I mean, you've literally got a loaded well, gun. Well, there's an iceberg. Well, yeah. And <laughs> smell ice. Um, yeah. But there's a loaded gun that, of course, comes back mm-hmm. into it. In the most bombastic kind of sequence. It's great. Yeah. Um, I, I, the... I love that Billy Zane basically becomes the Terminator. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Or there's the uh, so make it evil. count. Yeah, he, he he's so evil. comically evil. I just love that guy. Yeah. Can he, I just say, was that his first go? That must have been his first thing after Dead Calm, right? Because he was the baddie in Dead Calm against uh, Nicole Kidman and Sam Neill. Oh, right. Which is, uh, okay. wait, wait, wait. He was in The Phantom, right, in 1995? He was oh. the lead. Mm. The, the, the Phantom, was it? Okay, okay. So there must yeah. have been. De- it was so 95. That was I, I think it was somewhere around there. It was 1998. Oh, was it? Should we have a look? Okay. Yes. Good at being a baddie, though. Yeah. Definitely good at being somewhat charming and good looking and also just kind of dark and evil. A very, know. very punchable face. That's right. He's very good looking, though. Billy Zane, isn't he? Yeah. It? He's a nice, um, what's the word, <clears throat> counterpoint to um, Leo's Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm-hmm. That scene where he um, shouts at Rose the next morning after she's been dancing um, down in steerage. He's really frightening. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Rose, who has actually, up until then, been quite a tough cookie. Like, mm. she doesn't come on board like this wussy girl and then find herself. She already has her, her thoughts and feelings. But yes, she feels trapped. But anyway, he absolutely reduces Kate Winslet to quivering fear. And her performance is outstanding. Mm. And you see that the Rose has been crushed, you know, oh. and the petals torn from her. <laughs> Uh, it's a very humbling kind of moment. He's terrifying. So, first of all, 1996, I was wrong. Oh, okay. So, it was before, he was the lead in that film before mm-hmm. Titanic. Right. She is incredible. And you, you mentioned Heavenly Creatures. She'd also yeah. done Sense and Sensibility oh, before, before then. as well, which and so she had a won, lot of Oscar buzz. Right, yeah. Oh, um, she was nominated. I think she was nominated. And, uh, but, but back to my point about, you know, make it count. And then he uses that to kind of get her to come out to the stair well yeah. and go yeah. downstairs. But there's that moment where she spits on Kel's face, which yeah. is wonderful. Such a wonderful yeah. harking back to um, that um, moment. The training to... Yeah, yeah which yeah. is a great scene when, when they come out. That was improvised, or that was made up, that was made up on set by Kate Winslet. So the original mm. story was her stabbing a hairpin into his head or something, mm. which is his gut. And James Cameron said, now do the spit. And so to the point where they, she ran out of spit mm. and she had to put um, lubricant lube in her mouth and mm. kind of hoik that onto his face. Did he um, know that that was going to happen? Or? Well, they, they, they knew before they filmed it. They so did it many Zane times. knew it would happen. Yeah, but he okay. said he kind of got into this numb state of being spat on because it had so many takes of <laughs> yeah, the spit. Yeah, right, right. But um, just the focus on, again, actors, and I come back to this point, and Kate Winslet is just... A, a charismatic superstar in this. Mm, she's just yeah. so wonderful to watch 
And there's moments like that. I know the moment where um, they have, I think they had that first meet cute. Well, it wasn't really meet cute because the meet cute was the suicide scene. But later on, the ship the next day, a lot of that was improvised. Mm. The comment, um, you know, Freud, uh, who is this guy? Is he, a, is he a passenger on the ship? It was an intro- improvised line. <laughs> oh, really, really? <laughs> Those jokes were kind of hack and uh, lo- looking back. But yeah. he was so ignorant. Was yeah. he, it was that. He, it was Picasso. The, Picasso, yeah, He'll yeah, never yeah, amount yeah. to a thing. Well, which, uh, that really irked me watching it this time around. <laughs> yeah. So, Demoiselle is in a museum right now. How could it be on the Titanic? Yeah, like, yeah. what? I did think that. It was in a Monet as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think so. But um, oh, it makes me think of the, the French and Saunders mockery of this film, which is just wonderful. And they oh, just I should rewatch pretty it. Pretty much verbatim take <laughs> lines from the film. Yeah. And, and yeah, Picasso, he won't amount to much. Um, <laughs> but yeah. But you were saying that Kate Winslet's performance was wonderful. Oh, just, just this was her shot at a superstar, yeah. didn't it? Yeah. And mm. um, there's something about her that if you look at her look at the kind of actresses of the time, you can see that it was a, not a typical mm. big blockbuster actress. You know, mm, she's, mm. she's, um, she's just phenomenal. She has range, definitely. Yeah. Um, I was, uh, one of my other favourite scenes, uh, probably most people's favourite scenes, because there's boobs in it, um, <laughs> uh, is when he, she says, paint me as, uh, I want you to paint me or draw me as one of your French girls. And Leo is terrific in that, as the young lad who actually is a man of the world to some extent, but suddenly this incredibly glamorous, very, very wealthy woman is dropping her robe in front of him, and she's in control of the whole scenario. Mm -hmm. And his acting is terrific in terms of being... Um, oh, okay. Uh, And so his, his, his professional brain is going, well, put your hands like this and put your do that okay great and then you can see that he's also just kind of like almost doesn't know where to look and it's that teenage boy feeling of oh now this fantasy is unveiling itself in front of me what am i gonna do you know we kind of shift shifts doesn't he he starts off very nervous and then he becomes absolutely then he does get into his artistic brain and he kind of he so you can see him forgets the yeah the tension of the scene and just gets into it and he um again another just to Coming to my other point, he that line where he goes, "Get on the bed," I mean, couch. Yes, yeah. is a mistake, right? It's right. an actual mistake, <laughs> and he they kept it in the film. Yeah, it's perfect. Where, where, where was Leo before this? Was it what, what's he in Gilbert Grape? Or... Oh, for sure. Yeah, and uh, Basketball I mean, Diaries. And This Boy's, this Life. boy's Life. Romeo yeah. and Juliet had come out. Oh, And Claire Danes was going yeah. to... Claire Danes had been asked to do Titanic. Yeah. And she's talked about how she turned it down because she knew that that film would jettison her into... Jettison her? Or yes. Or push her into the stratosphere of stardom and she just mm. thought her and Leo talked about it and she just thought I just don't actually want that I don't want that pathway I don't want to become that famous mm. and he, he did and yet how interesting because Romeo and Juliet absolutely made her but how that's really admirable isn't yeah. it I don't know that I would have enjoyed seeing them again in another Romeo and Juliet story yeah oh can I just very briefly say that the obvious comparisons but in case they're not road. obvious Oh, Revolutionary Road. That was Kate and Leo. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's like an alternate universe where they both survived absolutely and ended up hating really each other. Really miserable. <laughs> that was a brilliant film directed by Sam Mendes, her then husband. Yeah. But all I was going to say about the whole Romeo and Juliet thing, I've always had a, a bee in my bonnet, middle-aged, middle-aged woman that I am with life experience, about Romeo and Juliet. Blame William Shakespeare. Um, that these two lovers are held up as being this paragon of romance when the reality is that, yeah, if you meet someone and one of you is like on E or something at a party, 
uh, and you meet and you fall in love, yes, the chemicals, and anyone who's a biologist around the table will know this as well, the chemicals do make you feel infatuated and in love for actually longer than three days. Um, but it isn't realistic. That's why summer romances don't always work and all that sort of thing. And so Romeo and Juliet get together and it all ends in tears. And they're from, you know, opposite sides of the tracks and so on and so forth and being sort of kept apart. And, uh, and obviously the same with old Rose and Jack. And um, What's like a what, a three-day relationship? <laughs> yeah, if that. I mean, yeah, yeah I've, I've tried to... Because they, they, they meet on the first eve night. of leaving Ireland. Right? That's right. So they so meet the on the first night. night. Oh, no, oh. they meet on the first night. So oh. the ship's, ship's left oh, okay, the dock. Okay, okay. The second they... night he comes to dinner and she dances downstairs. And the third, the night, third night is the one where they're running around. Yeah. I also, and they, she, she, he paints her on the 14th, but the ship goes down on the 15th. Uh, yeah, because the painting is signed the 14th oh, of right. April. Oh, well, it would have been the morning the, of, yeah. The yeah, morning yeah, yeah, of obviously. The yeah, that's right. It's when yeah. the, the ship goes down yeah, at right. two, 2 in the morning or whatever. Yeah, right. Yeah, so, and basically, right, they don't consummate that relationship until they're in the car, right? Which is also a nice touch because you think, oh, you've been, she's been nudie in front yeah. of him and it's all been And, and, and she brings it up. She's like, did we do it? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I love that scene. It's the old lady as well. Yeah. I read as well that they, to, to maintain a PG-13 rating, which the studio insisted on with that much money they were investing, mm. um, it needed to... Um, you could have some nudity, but in a, in a non-sexual way. Yeah. And so that's mm. why the sex scene is relatively demure based on the nudity that you see yeah, earlier. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that, that sex scene is amazing. It is it's, amazing. It's, they're so hot and steamy. Yes. <laughs> of the cars just frosted exactly and then when the um uh, the, the goons come to find them in the end and you still see, see the, the frozen handprint hand and the two of them give each other hey here <laughs> yeah, we go that's right. but, i mean this is this is great storytelling again so it's a moment of, of sex of love of yeah. consummation in this very kind of private space and it's sort of the space where it is the hoity-toity car yeah, and yeah. it's where she was first introduced but it's then used to show the peril of their situation because the first people to die are those, those people down in the in the area. In steerage. Yeah. Steerage. Oh, you see it. And it just immediately you get the sense of like, yeah. okay, this is on because yeah. they were just in there and they could have just died. Yeah. Um, just the same way with all of that horrible sequence with the men working in the cold yeah. kind of shoveling areas yeah. and all the doors are closing and come on lads, they're yeah. closing the doors. Yeah. Um, can we talk about the uh, the panning scene just a little bit more? I, I, you guys talked about Leo, but I think Kate's acting is also really good at yes. this. I, I read that was the uh, prob- uh, was right the first scene that they shot together. Yeah, I think it was. Which yeah. scene is this? The, the when he's the, the boring her on the on the, oh, on the bed, sorry right, couch. Right. And I, I just don't remember as a kid like getting all the ticks and things because she's she's like really goofy and like oh mr serious artist and, mm, mm. and it's it's such chemistry like mm. yeah and of course with the swelling of my heart is that when my heart will go on mm. well, then my, motif motif comes yeah. through a lot mm. no, no not not the lyrics because that no, happens no. at the very end mm. but that that's when it just swells and you're like oh my gosh this yeah. is yeah mm. really incredible stuff Did but i think jack uh this viewing He's an interesting character, this one, because did it feel to either of you that he was a bit of a, and I don't really like this word, especially when it pertains to female characters, but the male version, a Marty Stew? What's a Marty Stew? Uh, a Marty Stew is a, a male Sue. version of a Mary Sue. So a character who's just, he's 
awesome or she's awesome. They're great at everything. They're, they're in touch with their emotions. That they can just be whatever they want. That they've self-actualized before the movie's even started. Oh, I see. And so I, I see him coming in as kind of being a a catalyst for Rose's transformation. Right. But like Leo plays him with such a oh shucks energy. Like I'm from Wisconsin. And and when he um, he sees the paintings, like yeah, this one's Monet. See how his brush strokes and the colors and these he's like this perfect yes, yes. like like manic pixie dream guy almost. Yes, 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 interesting. <laughs> Which and I don't I mean you you're right. I, I think he he throughout the movie, not just in that scene, but he often comes up as is seeming younger than Rose. Yes. Right? He, he oh, almost he, no, seems he like her does. younger brother in, in a lot of scenes. But he looks younger. That's he he the looks thing. younger. But, but he, also, he also acts younger. Like yeah. He's more playful and he's, he's more like, again, he goofs around and he has more energy. And it's just a really interesting juxtaposition. But at the age that they both are, boys are younger. They right. still were immature in those days. Trust me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it kind of totally... It's very authentic in that regard, even though I think he is actually in reality a year or two older than Kate. But um, but yeah, yeah, not you wouldn't have known, you wouldn't have seen it like that. You are, I mean, you are right. He is that character. I think that it works because he is an Anne, right? It's right. not a trope. It's yeah. It's it's a plot device and it works. But I I want to get back to something you said, Sarah, mm. which is that she's in control and she. It really struck me this time as well how much everything. In this film. I think it's even a sequence where oh, Fabrizio, is it his name? Fabrizio. Yeah. Mm. He asks the woman he's courting, can I put my hand here? Mm, yeah. I was like, in a, in a time where we're talking a lot about consent mm. in this day and age, that film's a really good representation. Yeah. yeah. Kate Winslet, there was another moment where she... Well, she's in the car and she drags him over the back. He's all like, oh, I'm pretending yeah. to drive the car. Yeah. Where to? You know. <laughs> yeah. And then, so she initiates that. Yeah. She initiates the whole, I want you to draw me. She initiates being buck naked for it. Mm-hmm. Um... And she has the choice. And this is another thing I loved as well. Like, he has that moment where he tells her, like, I love you. and Or, you know, whatever. I don't think she says, I love you. But he says to her, like, when he pulls her into the um, gym. Mm -hmm. And then she goes, I can't, I can't, I can't. And then she goes away. And it's not like... I was trying to remember what made her change her mind. It's like, does she have another horrible um, interaction with Cal? And I was like, I loved that the moment was between two women. She was looking at two women. So she looks oh, like across the mother and the, mother and the daughter. Right. And that's the moment. It's not about a man. It's not about mm. Cal. It's not about... It's actually not even about Jack. It's mm. like, I can't live my life that will be like my that life. little girl yeah. mm-hmm. or that mum. And I think that was just another great moment. It was very... Yeah. And completely wordless. Completely what? Wordless. Yeah. Yes. Well, apart from the mum saying oh, about, yeah. about that story about, well we, well, we had to go and do all of the invitations again. Oh, but, <laughs> she's just <laughs> nauseated by this mm. thing. The only thing I'll criticise the film for in terms of representation is the use of cigarettes as a, as a, as a way of showing freedom. Mm. Do you notice that? Like she, oh, yeah, she got yeah. told off for smoking her cigarette mm, and mm. he's smoking his little cigarette. Mm. And, and she's drinking the pint of beer. And, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, the beer's that's right. right. Yeah. <laughs> she's party. trying to be down to earth though. Yeah, it's just know. cigarettes in a few different scenes are used. And I was like, yeah. oh, okay, that's, that's also a sign of the times. Mm. <laughs> uh, kind of mixing the two movies, Titanic and mm. After Our Way of Water, um, We've talked a little bit about the tech of Avatar. Can we talk about the tech of Titanic? Yeah. Mm. This movie rules. Mm. Like It totally holds up, doesn't it? Uh, I would say there's some scenes where you can tell that the people are definitely a little computer oh, people. Oh, I see. Like, 
it's it's so cool that the ship itself is a model i, I love that i could tell that as well this viewing on my yeah. 4k tv with a 1080p oh yeah, yeah. you know copy of the film I, I could tell. I was like, oh, I can tell this is a, That's this a model. <laughs> but I still loved it. I'm much rather than seeing a model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, like the, the, the sweeping shots, the little people, like when Captain Smith, you see tiny little Captain Smith walk mm, to the captain mm. and he, he looks like a little clockwork man. Mm. And it doesn't quite look that good. Uh, but it doesn't matter because this movie came out in 1997. Mm. And like so many of the special effects shots... I, I didn't know how they did the uh, engineers in the boiler rooms and the um, all those pistons. And apparently those pistons were real. They were on a preserved ship. And the people were comped in. So mm. they were green screened in because it would be way too dangerous in 1995 to do that. Mm. Um, but little things like that felt so genuine and... It's like, how did they do that? I know they cast very short people to play all of those worker roles as well. So that oh, they, all of the, the boilers look, look way bigger. Ah, that's oh. cool. Which they did in, in Alien. This, this little film you may not have heard me talk about right. before. Ali, Alien. Alien. The first right. film. Oh, cool. With oh. the... Uh, you mean E.T.? You mean like... <laughs> right, yeah. um, Ridley Scott got uh, his children, children and some, some other children on set to play the little versions of, of certain characters outside. Mm-hmm. So everything looked bigger. Um, oh, that's awesome! Yeah, yeah, just the, the technical mastery of Titanic, mm. uh, just the, the mix of like huge live action effects, mm. right? The the water gushing down the staircase. I I read apparently the first time they did it, it destroyed the entire set. They had to rebuild and do it again. Wow. Uh, the tilting of the deck, uh, propeller guy, which uh, another thing that I remember from yeah. childhood. It's yeah, like, hey, yeah. it's propeller guy. Mm. Um, the, the the stunts are all dramatic and real in a way that you feel the violence every time someone falls and hits something or yes. splashes into the water there is something with a real stunt performer that you just cannot replicate yes. with a cg you know cartoon man mm. and yeah. even as small as it sounds um even big lots of plates just falling yeah. off onto, you know there's, it, there's it's very visceral and affecting isn't but it also that that scene where you have that imperceptible dissolve from young rose into old rose's uh, iris mm, yeah mm. how did they do that it doesn't look like a dissolve it must be some sort of computer morphing maybe like the terminator 2 effects mm. yeah um, well they had that morphing because i think about um various music videos um like the black and white video you know they mm. would use oh, the morphing oh, that's right. that was a big deal in those days yeah, yeah. so they, they did have that technology yeah but yeah um but, but also i think just the verisimilitude of actually <laughs> filming a lot of scenes on a full-size recreation yeah. of the Titanic. Yeah. Like, they could do stuff back in 95 like this. Build an entire facade of an entire steamship. And it just makes it oh, work. So right? thrilling. Um, thrilling to watch. It, you can't... And I guess James Cameron understands that with Avatar because that's what he's doing, except in the yep. digital space. Mm. There's something that the human eye can pick up. Mm. If movement and facial expressions and you know things are just a little bit a little bit off doesn't quite make sense yeah um you almost can't tell that all the waves are digital like it, it looks that good mm. yeah and all the, all the water effects yeah and, and like on skin the water on skin I'm oh just, my gosh yeah i didn't even pick it up i just was watching the the world of pandora and completely believing it Right. Uh, oh, you both, mean in Avatar? Oh, I, I thought, yeah, I uh, think the but water. in Titanic as well. Right. Like, oh. like the, when the ship is sailing, 
that model or that set was filmed and I mean the model was dry the um, the set was not right but they they animated the water around it mm. and you do not for one second question that mm. Avatar was 100% felt 100% real mm. didn't it? Yeah. and I think actually a lot of it was that'll be why uh, but extraordinary I, I don't know how much do you guys know how much because I know the making of stuff is very tight-lipped about how much live-action footage is actually in Avatar mm. I think and it's just the real, it? the real it's humans. It's just the people, right? Oh, so humans. you're thinking that the real humans swam underwater to be performance captured, uh, but then were then I, that was desi- that was made. Absolutely. Yeah, I, 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 all the water, I think, is CG. Well, it's yeah. amazing. That is filmed in a big tank, so there's nothing. There's, there's this one shot that a lot of people online were talking about where I think it's Jake, he's um, riding one of those, those cool sea beasts, mm. and he's gripping like a woven saddle and the water kind of soaks into the saddle mm. and because the surface tension stays there and it's a split second shot from the trailer mm. and people were like this is the most incredible computer animation we've ever seen yeah. like it looks photo real yeah so here's here's a, a, an argument that i saw somewhere and it was about um what james cameron has that no other director has which is as hyperbole i'm sure other directors have this but what he has is oodles amounts of time and he was given mm. time to do, to figure out the technology, to do it right, to do the scripts with his team, to wait for COVID to be kind of generally over so the film could come out, and that a lot of the the CG artists have actually have often said we ran out of time, we weren't given enough time, we weren't able to complete this to the way that we we, we could. Mm-hmm. So here's my thing that I don't know the answer to: how much of it is performance capture in the way that James Cameron's made the film, and how much of it is just having the time and money for these artists to do what they know they can do and put together the best looking mm. images well possible. Well mm. I don't know the answer to that, but it was just an interesting... But speaking of James Cameron and time and money, uh, one thing I learned from my reading about Titanic for this episode is that uh, he basically made the movie as an excuse for going down to the Titanic and yeah. filming some footage, which That's is amazing. amazing. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to make the most profitable movie of all time, also at the time, the most expensive movie of all time, just so I can live out my dream of being a deep sea explorer. Yeah. And didn't he spend more time with the Titanic than anybody yeah. on the original crossing by the time he'd done all this time? <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. And the film cost more money to make than the original Titanic, even when adjusted for inflation. Wow. Mm. Oh my god. Alright, our final thoughts. Sarah? Uh, I'd watch Titanic again, but I <laughs> won't be watching uh, Way of Water again. Alright. That's <laughs> nice and concise. <laughs> uh, I, I do want to watch Way of Water again, just in 3D, because I, I think it's, you know, oh, you it's should. Avatar. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I also <laughs> have never seen the first one in 3D. Uh, I, I, I know it's, it's supposed to be amazing. Uh, Way of Water, I am surprised at how much I adore this movie. Uh, so much about it really, really works for me. Yeah, I, it's a little bit bloated. It is overlong. They could trim some stuff down. But I, I don't mind because it's about being in this world, right? It's, it's so well-defined and well-thought-out that the joy of just watching these kids swim with fancy creatures is all I need. Mm. Uh, and if you have that amazing ending with the action sequence, we haven't even talked about the, the Titanic homage when Neteri and, um, what's his name, Tuke, uh, are stuck inside the sinking ship and mm. 
nowadays you can mount cameras in digital space so the cameras are going crazy and upside down and rotating with the ship as it's going down incredible stuff mm. uh yeah just the, the 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 visuals the action the big-hearted storytelling the on the nose but still very very well thought out thing about conservation and about preservation and about loving the earth right there's that wonderful line with um with the kitty character where and it's in the trailer like she she talks to jake and it's like dad i i can i can hear her heartbeat uh it was heartbeat and what does it sound like mighty like such a good line mm -hmm. titanic i haven't seen them the longest time probably 15 years wow. maybe 20 <laughs> um this movie roars and you can totally see why it hits such a a zeitgeist right when it came out it has as i said before something for everyone, everyone. it is two movies in one bookended by a third movie mm. and somehow i think most of it really really works mm. um both we've raved about the acting across the board the the little characters are, you bring up kathy bates sarah but also um Fra francis fisher is, is the mum. yeah what pitch perfect casting jonathan hyde is like the the ship can't sink like mm -hmm. amazing stuff amazing stuff. is it bennett hill is it a yeah, yeah he's yeah. the captain uh, i do think francis fisher unfortunately is so vile in it that i have never been able to like her in a single thing else <laughs> she is perfectly cast so that, that perfect film, yeah and of course uh billy zane is the most love to hate villain ever mm. what a guy um yeah and, and of course just everything culminating in this this disaster piece sorry that, that means a bad movie uh this this romance this epic this tragedy this disaster movie that just hits all the marks mm. nice I love Titanic. I think it's one of it's in my top fifty-two films of all time. Mm -hmm. I say fifty-two because I think I love to make it as a as a pack of cards. Mm. Um, but yeah, love Titanic and just I was emotional. I was laughing. I was dreading the sinking. Uh, it really hit home for me again on rewatch. And similarly with Avatar too. I mean, it's not the same heights of um, kind of. Oh, I don't know, Titanic kind of was a zeitgeist moment. And whilst Avatar 2 is making a lot of money and deserves to do so, um, it's it's very much like the next episode in, yeah. in the story. It feels a little bit like a bridge between episodes as well. Mm. I think so. And I think it's making me very excited for what is going to come for episode 3, 4, and 5. <laughs> so there we go. All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cinema in Context. If you enjoyed our podcast, then please share it with your film-loving friends. You can listen to Cinema in Context through SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and other great places where podcasts are shared. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, which are great places to let us know what you think of this episode or give us suggestions for future films to discuss and compare. Look out for our next episode in a month's time. And until then, no more am I.